Well, again this morning, let me invite your attention to Psalm 100 as we think about sheep. Uh, sheep need to do two things well. Uh, one, they need to know how to follow the shepherd. And then two, they need to know how to relate to other sheep. And as I think about my walk with Christ on a daily basis, I spend considerable amounts of time reading the Psalms and the Proverbs. And here's why I do that. Because one, I need to know how to follow the shepherd because Psalm 23, 1 says, the Lord is my shepherd. But also I read the Proverbs because I need to know how to relate to other people, other believers and people who need a relationship to Christ. That's why I do that. Now, as we're in this series, Animal Planet, what animal would you like to be? There, there are probably most of us in this room, those who are watching, we would say, we want to be like an eagle because we want to soar to great heights. Uh, others would say, I want to be like a lion because I want to be fast and powerful. Uh, some could say, I want to be like that ant because I want to be wise and frugal in life, but... Here's the good news today. You and I are not eagles, really. We're not lions or we're not ants. We are sheep. Aren't you glad you came today to find out you are a sheep? That's a good word because we're going to learn a little bit about sheep this morning. But Psalm 100 has a great word for us about sheep. We know this from the Bible. The Bible has many, many stories about animals. For example, in 1 Kings 17, ravens fed God's servant Elijah. We know in the, in the book of Exodus, chapter 7, Moses had this staff in his hand, and what did it do? It became a snake, became a serpent. Uh, we, we also know that Balaam had a donkey. Numbers chapter 22, that donkey started talking. Interesting story. Peter one day was down by the Sea of Galilee and saw a fish, and there was a coin in the mouth of that fish. Acts chapter 28, Paul standing beside a campfire, and what happened? A viper came out and latched onto his hand. And then in Jonah chapter 1, we see Jonah here again swallowed by this great, great big fish. There are all sorts of stories about animals in the Bible. And God says that you and I are the sheep of his pasture. When you and I think about sheep, sheep are very interesting animals because of this. Sheep, a baby sheep is known as a lamb. And when a lamb is born, that lamb is dependent on its mother for four to six months or so. It can walk just minutes after it's born. So a baby sheep is a lamb and a more mature sheep is mutton. And I'll just say, I don't like to eat either one of those at all. As you think about sheep, again, interesting animals that Texas, Wyoming, and California have the highest number of sheep of any states in the country. And then as we think about sheep, sheep and goats are very different. If you look at a sheep, a sheep has 54 chromosomes. A goat has 60 chromosomes. Then when you think about sheep, sheep have great memories. They have good eyesight. Experts say this, that sheep can generally see almost 360 degrees around them. In the nation's history, one, one time in World War I, President Woodrow Wilson, he brought sheep onto the White House lawn so that sheep would trim the grass at the White House. And then you start looking in Bible and you see in the King James Version, sheep and shepherd are referenced about 250 times in the Word of God. And then when you look at sheep, here's how they, what they like to do. They like to flock together. And because when they're together, it increases their safety and their protection in life. Sheep are fascinating animals. I want you to look at your outline because I want to give you these five biblical truths about sheep. I want to set this up for us today as we think about sheep. Look at number one. Sheep often drift off course. As you and I think about the Word of God, here's what happens in the lives of sheep. Sheep oftentimes will get busy eating and grazing. And they'll take their eyes off the shepherd. They'll take their eyes off other sheep and they'll drift off course. 
The writer of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1 says, Therefore, we may, must pay much closer attention to what we've heard, lest we drift away from it. Let me ask you this morning, those in the room, those who are watching, how many of you have drifted in relationship to the Savior at some point? That you used to be close to him and then you drifted away. How many of you have drifted in relationship to God's people? You used to be faithful, involved in the fellowship of the church, circumstances of life. You just drifted away. The writer of Hebrews says you need to pay more careful attention to what you heard so that you don't drift away. Sheep can drift. Please understand, you and I should never forsake gathering with God's people. That's Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. We should never drift away from the shepherd, and we should never drift away from other sheep. Look at number two. Number two, sheep know the shepherd's voice. We see that in John's gospel, chapter 10. Here's what the Bible says. Jesus said this, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Again, they have great eyesight. Can you imagine his sheep are able to see him, but they're also able to hear his voice. Now, as you and I think about that in reference to who we are, we have not seen him yet with our own eyes. Yes, by faith we see him, but we know his voice. And and folks, there, there are many things I'm looking forward to in life. And when I think about heaven and eternity, but one of the greatest things I can think about, I desire and long for, is to being able to see the face of the Lord Jesus Christ in heaven. Because the Bible says in Revelation 22, 4, we are going to see his face. He is our shepherd and we're going to see him. But the good news today for us is we still hear his voice. We hear his voice. He's leading us. He's giving us direction. I encourage you, make sure you hear the voice of Jesus in your life. And you say, well, how am I going to hear his voice? Make sure you stay in the Bible, stay in the word of God. Make sure you rely on the Holy Spirit. He is always going to remind you about Jesus. And make sure you put some trusted godly people around your life who will speak the truth of God into your life, who love the Lord Jesus Christ and who love you. Listen to the shepherd's voice. Number three, do you think about this statement, sheep struggle with direction? We see this in Isaiah chapter 53, uh, the prophet Isaiah making some statements here, and he says this in Isaiah 53, verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned everyone to his own way. Here's the reality about sheep. If they're not following the leadership of a shepherd and they drift off from other sheep, they can walk off the side of a cliff. That's why they need the care of a shepherd. Here's what I often say to people in ministry but in life. We are one step away from stupid. And I've seen that in people's lives. One step away from stupid. That's the behavior of sheep, by the way. Aren't you glad you're sheep? But that's why we need, again, we need direction. That's why the shepherd is giving it. We need to stay close to him, close to other sheep, so that we can find direction in life. Now, as I think about decisions, I look around, I see kids and students and adults here of all ages. We're making so many decisions in life, but let me give you some insight. Here are some questions. If you're going to make a decision, I would encourage you to ask so that you stay close to the shepherd and close to the sheep. For example, the decision you're facing, what does the Bible say about the decision you're getting ready to make? What does the Word of God say? Has the Holy Spirit giving you peace about that decision? He's not a God of confusion. He's a God of peace. I'd also say this. What do other trusted godly people in your life, what are they saying about the decision you're getting ready to make? And the decision you're going to make, is that decision going to draw you closer to the Lord Jesus Christ or away from him? 
And then when you get ready to make a decision, are you going to make that decision? And is it going to cause you to live by faith or by sight? When you and I make decisions, we need to be faithful to God's word. We need to rely on the Holy Spirit. Listen to trusted godly people. Let that decision draw you near to the Lord Jesus Christ. And allow that decision to cause you to live by faith and not by sight. Sheep need direction. Number four, sheep live in dangerous environments. Uh, here's a verse that we don't like very much sometimes, but in Matthew chapter 10, here's what the Bible says in verse 16. Jesus said, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. See, we think as sheep, life needs to be easy, but God says there are going to be times I'm going to send you to tough environments, tough assignments. Here's what that means. He may give you a tough workplace. He may give you a tough school. He may even give you a tough church, tough assignments. But he says, listen, be wise. Sheep among wolves. Be faithful, even though the assignment may be difficult. Then number five, sheep depend on a shepherd's care. We see in Proverbs chapter 27. When you think about a sheep and we see how the shepherd cares for them, Proverbs 27, verse 23, it says, Know well the condition of your flocks and give attention to your herds. Sheep, again, depend on the care of a shepherd. Here's what happens in the sheep world. If a sheep ever gets on its back, that sheep would die quickly unless that sheep is restored back up on its feet again. What did David say in Psalm 23? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He does what? He restores my soul. There are times we get on our backs and it's dangerous for us as sheep. If a, if a sheep gets on its back, it's known in that world as a cast sheep. And if that sheep is not restored, that sheep would die quickly. That's why the sheep is dependent on the shepherd's care. Now look at point number one. What does sheep teach us? Te- sheep teach us to this. Number one is know the shepherd. Let's look back at Psalm 100. You think about the shepherds, you think about him. What do we know about him? We know this. Because we know him, then we come into a room like this, or we watch online, and what do we do? Because we know the shepherd, we make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Because we know him, we just joyful noise unto him. Because we know him, we serve the Lord with gladness. It's not a burden to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. We serve him with gladness. And because we know him, we come into his presence with singing. Folks, we are to be a singing group of people. Sheep sing. So come into his presence with singing. And because of that, he says, and because we know him, then we know this about the shepherd. We know that the Lord is good. We know that his steadfast love endures forever. And we know that his faithfulness is to all generations. We know that because we know the shepherd. Now, let me fill in these blanks for you here because if you're going to know the shepherd, these things are essential. Look at the first one. Number one, study the Bible. If you're going to know the good shepherd, make sure you stay in the Word of God. Make it a daily part of your life. Be in God's Word. Old Testament, New Testament. Let Him teach you. Study the Bible. Number two, fellowship with people. You and I need other sheep in life. We need to gather with other believers, learn from them, and grow with them and serve with them. Number three, read good books. There are great books out there that will help you know the shepherd. Read some good books. Talk to us. We'd love to help you. Number four, participate in ministry. As you and I serve the Lord Jesus Christ, it helps us know the shepherd. And then number five, live by faith. You and I are not to live by sight. We're living by faith. We're following the leadership of the good shepherd. And here we think about sheep in Psalm 100. The sheep teach us that we can know 
the shepherd. Now, let me welcome Dr. Roger Freeman to the pulpit, and he's going to take over from here. Brother, we're praying for you, and we love you, and we're excited to hear God's word. Thank you. Close your ears, Ronnie. Ronnie Range is a great preacher. Hallelujah. Man. I've never been more excited about a church ever than I am right now about First Baptist Church. Ever. Oh, mercy. God is so good. Preaching is such a uh, responsibility and an honor. Every moment I served as pastor for 50 years was the greatest honor of my life, next to being married to Priscilla and knowing Jesus. And, it, it's a, and it's an honor to be a part of this church memory and legacy and family, and I want you to know that we love you with all of our heart, and every minute we were here and we're still here has been a joy. Preaching is a responsibility. Dr. Clyde Fant, who is a professor of preaching at Southwestern Seminary, said, quote, and I remember him saying this, and it's gone with me, men, to the seminary students being trained to preach, when you walk into the pulpit to preach God's word, say to yourself, I am not worthy to do this. Amen. So I am not worthy to do this, but thank God for the grace of God in Jesus Christ. The series title is Animal Planet. It reminded me of a story of one little uh, humorous thing that happened while we were serving here as pastor. I got a phone call from Priscilla one morning and said, can you go by the grocery store and pick this up? These kids are going all over the house, and I can't get out to go get it. Would you go, go down there and pick it up? I said, I'll come home at lunch, go by there. And I went into the grocery store, and uh, as soon as I went in, I saw a lady who I saw had just joined the church, with her, with her husband, four little kids, kind of stair steps. And the little one, as I walked in that grocery store, they were there getting their basket. And he pulled his mommy's dress size on the side and looked at me and kind of went like that and said, Mommy, Mommy, look, it's the creature. <laughs> creature, preacher. So I'm part, we, we're part of the animal planet too. You know, you can, be a, you can be a creature. 29 verses. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Love the shepherd. Know the shepherd, and then love the shepherd. You know, when you know the shepherd, you're going to love the shepherd, and you're going to trust him, and you're going to want to go to him, and that's what this verse is about. Brother Ronnie quoted John 10 a moment ago, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give unto them eternal life. They shall never perish, neither shall anyone pluck them out of my hand. I remember the sermon preached by Dr. Landrum Level, who was president of New Orleans Seminary, and uh, one of the honors of being a pastor is I was his pastor at New Orleans first just for six years, which was rather intimidating, but he made it really easy. But I remember hearing him preach at the chapel at Southwestern Seminary while I was a student, and he told the story of uh, a missionary, a Southern Baptist missionary, Dr. Wash Watts, strange name, but that was his name, Wash Watts, probably Washington was his first name, but he went by Wash, and he had been a missionary in, the, in Palestine before Israel had become 
the nation it is today. And he went there to reach Arabs there in Palestine. And he was primarily ministering to shepherds and uh, men who carried their sheep all over the country. And Dr. Watts later became a professor at uh, New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. And Dr. Watts told the story given to me through, given to us through Dr. Level, that uh, Wash Watts, the missionary, would go out and talk to the sheep, the shepherd, while they were keeping their flocks. And he learned that the best way to do that was go to this watering area there in Palestine, and that flocks from all over the area. Dozens of flocks would come, and therefore dozens of shepherds who are the leaders of their family, and he can talk to the shepherds and witness to them. And uh, that was one of the ways he did, did evangelism and ministry. But he, remember the first time he went, he noticed that all the sheep gathered around the watering hole, this large watering hole, and everybody's sheep just mixed all together. And he said, how will the shepherd ever go and find his sheep and pull them out. And he said he heard saw the most amazing thing. One by one, the shepherds would go up on a, the hills around the watering hole, and they would give out their certain call. And the sheep would come out to that shepherd. And the sheep would come out to another shepherd. And a sheep would come out to another shepherd. I need to tell you something. Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, the great shepherd, the chief shepherd, is standing in heaven preaching the word of God through a million, ten million, a hundred million ways here on earth. And his voice is calling out saying, come to me. I am your shepherd. I will save you. I will take you to heaven. I will clean you up. Don't clean yourself up. I'll clean. You can't do it. I'll clean you up. Come to me. And I want to tell you something. And I don't know who I'm talking to, but there's a person in here who has not responded to Jesus Christ as, shepherd, as Savior. He is calling you today to come forward and say, it's about time that I respond to the call of Jesus. And when you do that, you're showing that you love the shepherd. Now, the first part of this verse, and this will be my first sub-point, is the supremacy of Jesus Christ, verse 3. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. If you see in, in most translations, I would say all translations that are truly translations, you have paraphrases, but a true translation put together by biblical scholars uh, who know the languages will always capitalize the word Jehovah, L-O-R-D, all four letters. That's how you tell the difference between what the Hebrew word is. So whenever you see the word L-O-R-D with all caps, that means this is the name Jehovah, which, of course, we know is the covenant name of God. Now, you've been in Sunday school enough to know that the word G-O-D, God, just written as in that way with a capital G, is generally in the Scriptures. That word we've heard often, Elohim. So if you say Elohim and Jehovah, you know two Hebrew words. So Elohim is the general name of God. Everybody... They say they're atheists, but I don't think there really ever is a real atheist on earth. But you believe in Elohim. You believe in God. But Jehovah is the covenant name of God given to the people of Israel through, of course, Moses there at the burning bush when uh, he said, Lord, I can't do what you've called me to do. I don't even know your name. He said, my name is I am that I am. 
And that's where we get the word Jehovah. Jehovah and I am, I am is the English translation, as good as we can do it, of that word Yahweh or Jehovah. And so when he's saying this, know ye that Jehovah, he is God, he's now narrowing down who the real and true God is. I think we know there's a whole lot of different kinds of names for God in this world. And I'm not here to give a comparative religion message, but you know about all those and you've heard them. You hear them on the news, you hear them in the Middle East. But there's only one God, and his name is Jehovah. And that is unique. It is the way God has said it. But who is Jehovah? All right, little Bible study. You can just sit there and listen while I do this, or you can turn to Isaiah 6. You're familiar with the passage. I, Isaiah said, also saw the Lord sitting on a throne. Verse 3, the angels cried out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord, Jehovah of hosts. Turn to John 12, 41 now. I'm going to compare these two verses. Who, who was that God he saw whose train filled the temple? Who did Isaiah see when he saw the Lord, Jehovah, high and lifted up? You're going to shout, John 12, 41. He's quoting Isaiah 6. These things saw Isaiah when he saw, referring to Jesus, his glory, he spake of him. My friends, Jesus is Jehovah. Hallelujah. So this verse, first of all, in, in the first point, it talks about the supremacy of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the God of whom it is said, I am the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, all the way across. I am the Lord thy God, thou shalt have no other gods before me. And then to love to love, to love the Lord our God is uh, greater than all uh, the sacrifices of the Old Testament. So we're to love Jesus Christ because he is the supreme God. He is God in the flesh. This is a great uh, word about who Jesus is. Jesus is the God-man, as much God as if he were not man at all, as much man as if he were not God at all. Not all God and no man, not all man and no God, not half God and half man, but fully God and fully man in humanity and deity, the God-man, Jesus Christ, our King. We love him because he is supreme. He is the God to whom we're called. Then the second phrase, it is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. The strength of Jesus Christ we examine here. Here, this verse talks about uh, his creation. The next verse, of course, is going to talk about his redemption. But the strength of Jesus Christ is that he made us. Sometimes you'll hear people talk about being a self-made man. No, you're, there's no such thing. God made man out of the dust. I'm a six-day creationist, and if you're not, you're wrong, and I'm right, and the Bible's right. God made the... And I, here's the question. I'm parenthesis, okay? Where did the seven-day week come from in every civilization on earth if it didn't start on the very first week of creation? Answer that one for me, okay? Lots of other things I could say, but hadn't got time. He made Adam on the sixth day out of dust in the beginning of that day then at the end of the day, he made Eve out of his side. And then they 
took the day off and went on the honeymoon on the next day. <laughs> Did a wedding yesterday in here. The air conditioner's working a whole lot better today than it was yesterday. Thank God. It was a beautiful wedding. And, uh, I like to say this at every wedding, that we are reenacting what God did in the Garden of Eden. God put Adam to sleep because he knew he was going to go on his honeymoon the next day, and he made Eve, and he brought Eve down the aisle and stood there and said, Now, Adam, repeat after me. This is bone of my bones. This is my bone. And they had a wedding ceremony right there in the Garden of Eden. Hallelujah. I believe in the book of Genesis. I believe every word of the Bible. I'm glad I've heard that you say that as well. Thank God. Hallelujah. For a pastor that believes the word of God, every bit of it, thank God. And he made man out of dust. Excuse me, I like to smile in sermons. I heard about a little boy who went to Sunday school and uh, they talked in Sunday school about creation that God made man out of dust. And when he dies, we're going to go back to dust. He thought about that all week long, and he went home and thought about it and thought about it and looked around. He ran to his mom. He said, Mom, is it true that God made man out of dust? Yes, son, it is true. Is it true that man's going to go back to dust? Yes, that's true, son. He said, well, Mommy, come into my bedroom real quick. Somebody's either coming or going. <laughs> but who did all this? Who did all this? Jesus did it. He has the strength to create. He also has the strength to incarnate himself. Uh, the creator became man, and this is not a Christmas message, but those two things go together. That Verse 3 says, we are his people. Uh, it says, it is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. He not only made us, he became one of us, and that is glorious. Finally, the shepherd, Jesus Christ. This speaks of redemption. So you've got the uniqueness of Jesus Christ, his supremacy, the creative power of Jesus Christ, now the redemption of Jesus Christ. In verse, the last line, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. These are redemptive passages. It says that uh, we are no longer the people of uh, the devil because if you're not saved, you're a child of the devil. That's just pure word of God. Just take it as it is. That's what the Bible says. And we are the sheep of his pasture. It means you're not a goat. But one other thing about goats I learned in Ghana with, with working with the wonderful, wonderful Christians there and giving out. Uh, and Ghana is, I know the, the Muslims would love to come in there because I saw that there while I was there. Uh, at, in the Laragu, Bill Graham and others were there and they remember that so well. I, they don't have fences there. They just mix up the sheep and the goats everywhere. The difference is a, a goat will always run away from you, but a sheep will always come to you. Hallelujah. So if you're always running away from church, you're just a goat. <laughs> but if you're coming to church, you're a sheep. Hallelujah. <laughs> so the shepherd, Jesus Christ. So first, the family of God and the flock of God, and then I'll be through. Uh, Jesus is the shepherd, and he makes us part of the family of God. For it says in verse 3, we are his people. We belong to the family of God, beginning in Israel and into the church. Deuteronomy 33, 29, Moses summed up uh, what it meant to be a believer. He said, Happy art thou, O Israel, who is like unto thee, O people, saved by the Lord, 
Paul said, For ye are the temple, 2 Corinthians 6, of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in with them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And then we are the flock of God. We are the sheep of his pasture. So here we're talking about he is our shepherd. Uh, and three times in the Bible, the, Jesus is referenced with a beautiful adjective in front of in the New Testament about his shepherd nature. He's the good shepherd, John 10.10. I am come that you might have life, that you might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd who gives his life for the sheep. Hebrews 13.20 says, I am the great, he is the great shepherd. He says, he is the great shepherd of the sheep to make you perfect in every good work, to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight. Then 1 Peter 5, 4 says, When the chief shepherd shall appear, then shall receive you receive a crown of glory that fades not away. So as sheep, our shepherd is the good shepherd who died for us. As sheep, he is the great shepherd that guides us through all the struggles of life and leads us toward Christian maturity. And as sheep, he is our chief shepherd that's coming back. And hallelujah, we're in, we're in children's church today, by the way. In heaven, we get to go to big church. Hallelujah. It's called the great congregation. And this has been one of the greatest worship services I've ever been in. Hallelujah. But it won't be like the one up there when we go to big church. So I am looking forward to that and thank God for the supremacy of Jesus Christ, the strength of Jesus Christ. And our shepherd, Jesus Christ, our good shepherd, our great shepherd, our chief shepherd. One final story. Sitting right back there, about where the Bodensteiner's sitting, right back there. Sorry, I don't want to embarrass you, but I love you. Good to see you. And the house, about right there. We all we went to Israel together, didn't we? Some of us back there. Swam in the Dead Sea and all that. Uh, excuse me. There was a little lady, about 90 years old, walked in the church one Sunday with her daughter, who was about 70 years old. <laughs> and what had happened is they were now widowed. It all, it all kind of turns around. They were now living together after the 70-year-old daughter had lost her husband. Uh, and they came in, and they loved Jesus, and they wanted to move their membership. They were settling in the same house. And uh, the name of the lady, and you won't even remember her because she never made a sound. She was about four foot ten bright blue eyes. Her name was Covella McKinney. And she sat back there on that front row of that section with her daughter and they came every Sunday faithfully. And uh, Covella McKinney, isn't that a great name? Covella McKinney. I thought it was a great name. But Covella was sweet. She was sprightly and she just bouncy, that kind of 90 years old. Well, when she turned 96, uh, she got sick. And uh, I was out of town, uh, Dottie Balakas, that's the daughter's name. What, two names, Dottie Balakas and Covella McKinney. You know, you just can't ever forget names like that. And uh, Dottie called us and said, Brother Roger, I know you're out of town, but Mama's really sick, and she's, we don't know what's going to happen. I said, well, I'll be home soon. First thing I do is I'll be down there at the hospital, and we'll, I'll see you. So first thing we did that Got home, took care of the busy day, and didn't get to the hospital. I remember it was 8.45 because the doors had not locked yet. And you can always find a parking place at 8.45 p.m. So that's always good. Went up to the ICU, and there was Covella lying in the ICU bed, 
Well, actually, I think it was more of a palliative care bed. I, could, I was able to go straight in. And Dottie said, Brother Roger, she's been in a coma for four days. She hasn't eaten anything. She hasn't drunk anything. She, we don't, she doesn't want to sustain her life. So it's just we're waiting. We don't know what's going to happen next. She hasn't said, said anything to anybody. I don't know what you can do, but thank you for coming. I said, well, let's do this. I'm going to lean over, and I've read this, that the last thing to go before you die is your, hear, your ability to hear. So I leaned over her ear, and I always quote the 23rd Psalm and the Lord's Prayer with people when I don't know what else to say. Pretty good thing to say is what is that. So I said, Miss Covella, it's Brother Roger. Now, she's been in a coma four days. She opened her eyes bright blue eyes and she looked straight up at me and I promise you every word of this is true and she said with a clear loud voice oh pastor I love Jesus with all my heart and we prayed and she closed her eyes not long after that she went to glory land so my assignment was talking about loving the shepherd. I hope that the last thing you and I ever say when we leave, before we leave this earth is, I love Jesus with all my heart. Amen. Father, thank you now as Brother Ronnie comes to conclude our message on Psalm 100 in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I thank Brother Roger. Great word. Great word. That's great. Well, let's finish. Let's finish our message. You know, know the shepherd, love the shepherd. Number three, thank the shepherd. Thank him. Thank him. He says in Psalm 100, enter his gates with thanksgiving. We're not to enter his gates with criticism and complaining. We're to enter his gates with thanksgiving. Now, what do we have to be thankful for today? And here's some things I've just been thinking about this week. As we as his sheep would come together and we would enter his gates with thanksgiving, Thank the Lord for 190 years of ministry as a church. There are not many churches in the Southern Baptist Convention can say their history 190 years. Thank the Lord for that. Here's what I know in 190 years. There have been many great days and there have been some painful days in the 190 years as a church. But here's what we know. The Lord is good. His love endures forever. His faithfulness to all generations. We are thankful for His goodness, His love, and His faithfulness over 190 years of ministry. I thank the Lord today as well for the many saints who passed before us in a span of 190 years. People who had surrendered their lives to Christ, who were faithful to follow Him. Individuals who were pastors and staff members and saints in the, in the life and the fellowship of the church who served the Lord Jesus Christ, faithful to Him, traveled around the world, planted churches, sent missionaries, replanted churches, gave sacrificially. So many things that have happened from people who went before us. Thank the Lord for those people who paved the way and were standing on their shoulders. Here we are 190 years later. Thankful for the Lord as well for vision for the future. He's not done with this church. He still has a work for us to do for such a time as this. 
And as I think about where the Lord's leading us, yeah, on October the 24th, we'll celebrate 190 years. It would be a hallelujah moment for us to say that Sunday afternoon in this room, a little bit after 2 o'clock, that we receive so much of the offering that this debt is gone. It is no more. That'd be a hallelujah moment. And as we do that, it's going to put us in a position that we can do some deferred maintenance on other facilities that we have. We want to be good stewards with time, but also even with buildings and space. And then it would put us in a position that we would be able to renovate this faith building, 70,000 plus square feet, that God still wants to use this facility as a launching pad to share the gospel literally with the nations. Thank God for those things. Thank God for our history. Thank God for people who came before us. And thank God for a vision that, yes, the best is yet to come. Amen. Let me give you these three words on the outline. Thank the shepherd. One, for love. I hope today you'll take just a moment and say to him, Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He loves you and he loves us as a church. Word number two is power. Aren't you grateful we don't live the Christian life on our own strength? Apart from him, we can do nothing, but with him, we can do all things. You and I thank the Lord today, the shepherd today, for the power to be, to be able to serve him, do what we do as a church, but to live the Christian life and to bring glory to him and make, make his name famous. Thank the Lord for his love. Thank the Lord for his power. Number three, thank the Lord for his protection. 190 years, church, he's protected this church. He's protected your life. He's protected my life. When you walk into my study, and I have quite a few books in there. When you walk in there, there's a section there of books just of people who have crashed in life and ministry. And many of them I've sat under their teaching. I've been at conferences they've been leading. And you look at them and you say, somewhere though, one step away from stupid. And they crashed in life and they crashed in ministry. When I see those, I find myself just saying, Lord Jesus, I want to be faithful to you. I want to love Angie with all of my heart. I want to be faithful to shepherd and pastor your people. And oh God, will you protect me that I can finish the race of ministry, faithful. Amen. I don't want to be another stat. I want to finish faithful. Thank God for his protection. Amen. As sheep, our good shepherd loves us. He gives us power and he protects us. Number four, serve the shepherd. He said in his passage, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Then he said up from there, enter and come into his presence with singing. Then before that, he said, serve the Lord with gladness. Two words, just write them in. First one is blessed. Second word is burden. I want to ask you in this room today, those who are watching, as you think about serving the Lord Jesus Christ, is it a blessing or is it a burden? When you're following him as sheep, and you're living intimate with him. That means it's going to be easy. But when you serve him, you serve him with gladness. Lord Jesus, of all the people in the world, you would call and use me as one of your sheep. That's a blessing, not a burden. 
And so I just want to encourage you today as you think about, just know the shepherd. You love the shepherd. You thank the shepherd. And then you serve the shepherd as a blessing, not a burden. I want us to bow our heads together and we're going to pray. Brother Roger and I are going to be here in front. Other pastoral staff members are going to be here as well. One thing is about the shepherd. He's always inviting his sheep to follow him. And we want to invite you today. If you're in the room or you're watching and you've never given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, he is the only way to be saved. There are not three ways or two ways. There's one, and his name is Jesus. He went to a cross and shed his blood and gave his life. He died, was buried in a tomb, and the tomb is empty on this Sunday morning. He is alive, and one day he's coming again. But Jesus is the way to be saved. And so as children, students, adults, in this room, we're inviting you today to come to the Good Shepherd, the Savior, who is Jesus. We invite you to say yes to him. We witnessed five individuals today to obey Christ in believer's baptism. If you're here as a child, student, and adult, but you've never obeyed Christ in baptism, you know him as your shepherd, you just never followed him in baptism, come forward this morning. We would love to help you. We'd love to set up a time that we could talk about your salvation, but also schedule a time for you to be obedient to Christ in baptism. Folks, I can't think of a better Sunday today that if you've been coming to First Baptist Church for a long time, or maybe just recently, but you know without any question that the Lord wants this to be your church home. This is where you need to follow the shepherd and gather with the other sheep. And so you know this is where God wants you to be at as an individual, a couple, as a family. We just appeal for you to come forward and get uh, right here with one of our pastoral staff and say, I need to join the fellowship of First Baptist Church. 190-year history, I want to be a part of that history. Then I want to encourage you today, maybe you've drifted in relationship to the shepherd or to the sheep. And we want to encourage you today that you can come back to the shepherd and you can come back to the sheep. He welcomes you. And if you're watching online, you see an area there that you can comment to us. You can send us an email at the address you see. If you have any spiritual questions, you have prayer requests that we could pray for you about, or you just need to make a spiritual decision, we would invite you to contact us. Just as we do in this room, we'll follow up with you individually and personally, and we want to help you follow the shepherd and relate well to other sheep. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Also, we've got prayer team who are here on my right and left. If you need somebody to pray with you, the altar's open. If you just need to come and kneel down and pray and ask the Lord to renew your life as a sheep, as you follow him as, as your shepherd, give me Jesus. Father, what a wonderful, amazing day today. Give us Jesus in this moment right now. Savior, Lord, best friend, forgiver, whatever title we may use, may people step out in this service, those who are watching online, and respond today to the Good Shepherd and to say, my cry in my heart today is give me Jesus. And the glory goes to you, Heavenly Father. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together.